Today on Let Me Be Frank, we're talking about education and formation. And Bishop Caggiano is planning with Fairfield University a new two-year college in Bridgeport, which will be called Bellarmine College, which will provide an opportunity for young people in the city of Bridgeport and surrounding areas to get an education after high school. So he's going to tell us more about this today. And even before you get to college, you need to get through middle school and high school and faith formation in those years is being reimagined. So we're going to get His Excellency's thoughts and plans on that as well. It's going to be a good one, so stay tuned on your radio at 1350 AM and 103.9 FM and live on your phone with the Veritas mobile app. You can get the app at the Apple App Store, the Google Play Store, or at VeritasCatholic.com. And Let Me Be Frank is brought to you by a grant from Foundations in Faith. Foundations in Faith embraces innovative approaches to funding pastoral care programs in the Diocese of Bridgeport. Resources focus on energizing lifelong formation and discipleship and fostering a commitment to justice and accompaniment with our most vulnerable. From seminarians to retired priests, from baptism to last rites, from suburbs to inner cities, the reach is broad and the impact is meaningful. For more information, visit them on the web at foundationsinfaith.org. Welcome back, everybody, to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network. I'm Steve Lee, and it is my great pleasure, as always, to introduce Bishop Frank Caggiano. Steve, my friend, good to see you. Excellency, great to see you as well. We've got lots going on, lots of stuff. We have, we do, (laughs) there's a lot, and it's so interesting. Um, I'm always learning from you on the show, but when I asked you what would you like to talk about, you brought up a topic that I, had, I didn't even know anything about. So very interested in today's episode. Oh, the, actually, there's two of them. I think one you, you do know, but I think our listeners may not know. And that is this extraordinarily exciting proposal that Fairfield University and the diocese are working on together to create the Bellarmine College. And even though it has run into some static with local politicians... Right, in Bridgeport, I think we could work those issues out. I'm very optimistic. So I want to share that. And I want to also talk about middle school and high school reimagining formation for them. Very right? good. Which is not short of controversial in some ways, but you know how I am. It is what it is. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you're going to be frank. <laughs> exactly. And, and we have to be courageous. We have to try something new because what we have now is not achieving what we wanted to achieve. Right. Our churches right. are not bursting with teenagers going to mass, so yes. we have to do something, right? Yes, yes. So, so let's talk about, which one do you want to talk about first? Uh, if it's okay with you, let's talk about Bellarmine College. Good, excellent. Okay, so for the benefit of our listeners, right, the Jesuits um, a few years ago created a two-year college I believe it's part of Loyola University called the Arupe College. And what it was, what it is, and it's been very successful, is a bridge experience. That is where youngsters, teenagers from the inner city who want to go into a four-year university, want to be successful, want to 
carve a path for themselves and please guide their future families and be successful leaders in the, in the community. They have an ability, they have an opportunity to enter into university formation in a two-year college that will provide them the full curriculum of whatever colleges usually give freshmen and sophomore, but with additional services. Let's call them wraparound services, remediation, all right, counseling, and even family services. Because many young people in urban environments who come from more economically distressed backgrounds face challenges that are different from other young people who come from suburban areas, for example. And the goal would be that at the end of the two years, they would be fully ready either to enter into the workforce if they chose to, or go seamlessly into the rest of their degree, which would be towards a bachelor's degree in whatever area that they would want to do. And because many of them come also financially challenged to go into a university, in this school, um, there is a concerted effort to maintain that the maximum contribution that the family would need to pay, or in this case, the young person would need to pay, is $1,000 a year. Wow. So once you have scholarships and all the rest and financial aid, there would be additional scholarship money so that money itself would not be an obstacle to come. So yeah. you're talking about an absolutely, in my humble opinion, an absolutely indispensable, stellar opportunity to serve young people, teenagers and young adults in an urban environment that has many unique challenges, like Chicago would have, yeah. and Bridgeport equally. So when Dr. Nemec and the, the, uh, the, the staff, you know, the administration of Faithful University began to talk about this, and they came to me, I was absolutely excited beyond excited and the diocese is firmly a partner in this project for many reasons not least of which you have heard me say on this podcast before education is one of the best if not the best way to help young people or families out of poverty because a good education with a well-rounded personality that's values-based, so I just described Catholic education that is in the faith, provides you the compass intellectually and morally to be able to go out into the world and be successful. And successful doesn't just mean that you're going to make a lot of money and get out of Bridgeport to go live in somewhere else, but it's also successful is to be a leader in the community or wherever community you go because it's all about building the kingdom of God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So when they came and they outlined this, I, had, I didn't even know of a, that there was such a thing as an Arupe College, to be very honest. But when I heard this and I saw this, I was just so extraordinarily enthralled because for us, what a gift we could give our young people of Bridgeport who otherwise the dream of going to a four-year university and graduate school beyond is just a dream that's unattainable. It, it's unreachable. This creates the bridge to do it. Yeah. So Deacon Patul, who is the secretary of the Curia, he's the Episcopal Delegate of Administration, he really is a person I rely on so much 
because he's a holy man, one of the smartest men I ever met, one of the most strategic thinkers I've ever met, uh, was also working with Fairfield University on putting this proposal together. And it's approved. All the faculties have approved it, the Board of Trustees has approved it, money's already underway, right? My understanding is a significant amount of money has already been raised, people are super excited about it. And so therefore the Bellarmine College will be the newest college as part of Fairfield University to be located in Bridgeport for all the purposes I just said. So let me just stop there. Honestly, is this not exciting? <laughs> Uh, what I mean, gosh, what a uh, service and what an opportunity. Oh, without a doubt. So without a doubt. So the student body, uh, they'll uh, they'll come from families that that have economic challenges. Uh -huh. Do you um, do you anticipate that most of them will come from Bridgeport or? That would be the hope. Right. Okay. That would be the hope. Right? And the enrollment is capped at 100 each grade, at least to begin. So it's 100 freshmen who will eventually become 100 sophomore, and there would be 100 freshmen. And yeah. part of it is simply because of the fundraising needs. Right? Mm -hmm. There mm -hmm. may be a need to raise a significant amount of money every year, and they're committed. Everybody's committed to do that. Right? So, but the question is where is this going to be? Now, as they were vetting out different sites, I suggested that Jewett Avenue, that is the Catholic Center, that is the headquarters of the Diocese of Bridgeport, be at least included as a possible site. Because, Steve, you've heard me say this before, we have a building of 100,000 square feet. Yeah. It was once Notre Dame High School. It was once a hospital, a sanitarium, for TB patients when it was first built. It's huge. Yes. And I don't need a huge building for what we do, right? I pride myself, and again, may, this may be a sin, because I use the word pride hopefully in a non-sinful way, but I pride <laughs> myself in the fact that we have scaled down our administrative staff to be as lean as possible but still serve the parishes and schools as effectively as we can because I want to be a good steward of the money that we are raising. One of the side benefits of that is that you don't need a building that's 100,000 square feet anymore. Mm -hmm. You really don't. We don't have a staff that even justify that. So I thought to myself, well, maybe they could come and use part of the space, right? So we approached the mayor about the concept, possibly coming to Jewett Avenue, and he was very supportive at the beginning. But when um, the process continued, and in part, we did not do initial consultation with the neighbors and the political leaders, is because in fact, it was not approved by the board yet. So the first order of business was to make sure the university authorities right, did their homework mm -hmm. before you raise expectations and then cannot do it, right? right. Yes. But as soon as we had viability that this really could and would go forward, then we met, we made some outreaches, and of course some local politicians had taken exception to it. And they take an exception for the reasons that they've noted to us, and that is, you know, congestion and traffic and, um, and, and concerns like that. So um, we would need a zoning change for the use of the building 
for a college because it is zoned for schools because we once had a school there. And the city attorney told us when we asked him that he thought his opinion originally, oral opinion was, that the building could be used, right? But in subsequent conversations, we've gotten word that that opinion has changed. Hmm. So we'd have to go through zoning, and some of the local politicians and community leaders are opposed to bringing Bellamine to, um, to Jewett Avenue. And quite frankly, from my point of view, I'm just hoping that everyone involved can keep these young people at the forefront of what we're talking about and what's good for them. Right? I myself am excited if we could come to Jewett Avenue because we're marrying the diocesan church and Bellamine College, and I cannot imagine any more proud place to, than to stand with these young people as they really work their way with their God-given talents and the help we could give them to a path where they could be leaders in the church and of the community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All part of the mission of the church, which Fairfield University has a major part in that, right? So a lot of discussions are going on. I tried to do outreach. They have put me a bit on hold for now. They're, they're going to get back to me, see whether we could meet to talk about this. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping we could, we could reach some sort of understanding that everyone could support this process, this project, and hopefully bring it to Jewett Avenue. If not, we will have to go and consider the possibility maybe of somewhere else. But what's key in my mind, what's not negotiable in my mind, is that this project has the soul, has the complete backing of the diocese, and I want the diocese to be an integral collaborator in the project. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, gosh, it's... It's, it's such an opportunity for the young people. And mm -hmm. I would think that if you're opening a, a two-year college, even the businesses in the area would benefit from that as well. Of course. But as they have for Sacred Heart, right? Because yeah. Sacred Heart is right down the road. I mean, right. and yeah, of course, a lot of these young people go to those stores and all the rest. Absolutely. But, um, but you know what? I think as a pastor... I try to keep my mind focused in on the human reactions, which I need to take into account. And change is difficult for everyone at one time or another. This represents change. Change sometimes raises questions that are unknown. And people get, you know, excited. I sure. will say this. Uh, it's very important that the facts be known, right? And the facts are these. Um, there is this misconception that the diocese is doing this for financial gain, but that is not true. Because in fact, um, while Fairfield University will need to spend a significant amount of money to renovate our building, we would also have to renovate our building and share the cost of the abatements and all the rest. And that is money, quite frankly, I do not have. Mm. Yeah. I, I will either have to fundraise it or I'd have to borrow it. So there isn't a financial gain here for us, but there's a gain in mission. There's a gain in our young people. Yes. And when are we going to put our young people first? This I don't understand. <coughs> right. I know I'm not the smartest guy on, the, on earth, but this I don't understand. <coughs> I can't put this together in my mind. So there isn't, a, <coughs> there isn't a financial gain, but there's a gain in mission. Yeah. That for me is priceless. I don't care how much money I'd have to borrow to do this. Y yeah, you're 
you're educating and preparing young adults for the next step. Plus, plus, my friend, plus, while Fairfield accompanies them in faith for the diocese and the bishop who is the shepherd of the whole diocese to accompany them in faith, my dream would be able to teach in it. I would love to do the introductory course. Oh my gosh, I would love it. Yeah. Absolutely. I would love it. Yeah. Right? But, but then they begin to see that the church is not this institution that just simply says, says to them all the things you can't do in life because you want to, uh, uh, um, as, as my little great niece calls sometimes my niece, uh, you're a fun sponge. <laughs> okay? That you suck out all the fun out of life. <laughs> she just told me that last night. I said, what an interesting phrase. <laughs> somehow that's what the church is that's not what we are right <laughs> but it, it for me it's just and, and then of course i mean the whole question of people's concerns of course we have to try to meet people's concerns and we have to and you know we we, we can make a clear and and very deliberate explanation of how the bellamine college will benefit the whole community not yes. just and there's an openness to the credit of Fairfield, to open up and possibly talk about programs for the whole community at the same site, which for me is even a greater win. Yeah, yeah. So I just, you know, I've told you this in other podcasts, I wanted to be the mayor of the city of New York. Remember when I was young yes. and naive? Now I'm old and less naive, and thank God I'm a cleric. Because politics is something I don't quite fully understand I don't quite fully appreciate how it works. And quite frankly, I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> right? I, I just want to lead the church. Yeah. Right. So uh, when Bellarmine College opens, it will be run by Fairfield U University? Yes. It'll be a yes. It will be fully accredited oh, wow. college of, uni of, the Fair of Fairfield University. So for, for Fairfield... This is an enormous investment mm -hmm. in the lives of young people, particularly those in Bridgeport. We cannot underestimate that. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's almost an heroic step towards empowering young adults in our city to come forward and really forge a path where they can excel, succeed, and contribute back to society. I mean, again, I, I, and I'm not the smartest guy, I'm not the dullest guy either. I, 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 for me, it's a win. This yeah. is a win. Yeah. Right? And I'm just praying we could resolve the issue for Jewett Avenue. And I'm asking everybody on the podcast to pray with me that we could resolve whatever concerns people have, whatever they are, so that we could, the project could go forward. There. Because it's going to go forward. Yes. The, right. 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 Yep. Mm -hmm. So, so academically, it uh, it's essentially the first two years of a liberal arts education. Correct. Do they have uh, then from there if they want to continue the the let's say you know the third and fourth year? Is there what's? Yes, they could seamlessly continue into Fairfield into the four year school. It's seamless. That's There's amazing. You see, you could graduate with an associate's degree and then go off to, to work, or you just keep going. Exactly. Right? It's a bridge. That's why I called it a bridge. It's a bridge. Right? Yeah. And the remediation and the services and all the rest that would be provided, besides the tuition assistance, are priceless yeah. because they're personalized. 
Yep. To the to the unique needs of a person, a young person. That's again, it's priceless to do that. Yes. Okay. And just to be fair, those who are questioning Jewett Avenue as the place are not questioning the college. So I always want to be fair. Uh, they okay. see the value in the college. Right? They don't see the value of having the college at Jewett Avenue. But see, they're seeing it from a perspective that's not pastoral. Right? They're seeing it from a political, or even perhaps as an education, but a political point of view. Right? Which we need to respect, because it is a point of view. But mine is from the pastoral and ecclesial point of view. And what they don't quite understand is the marriage between the mission of the diocese and the mission of Fairfield University to create this is exactly what's going to help form these young people in the mind and heart of Jesus and the church in a unique way. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, uh, I, I, I'm so happy to hear and to learn right. about Beller, Bellarmine College. Um, right, right. And may I just say one other thing, too, if yeah. I may. Even the traffic question has a solution. Because when you consider that there will only be 100 students, and when you consider the employees that will no longer be in the building, which are the majority of, my, of the employees, it's almost a net zero impact on traffic. And I'm imagining a good amount of these young people will travel by bus. Uh, okay, so they're, so they're commuting... So they're not living there? There is no residential component. It's just commuting. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, right. So there's not mm -hmm. even going to be overnight noise from parties. <laughs> oh, just, no, no, not at all. Just, no, it's no, just no, a school. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know what? And, and, of course, Sacred Heart is nearby. And a lot of the homes, not a lot, but a good number of homes are rented to, to college students, you know, students of Sacred Heart University, mm -hmm. which really... For, to my understanding, is is not facilitated by Sacred Heart, but it's the neighbors to put them up, right? Sure. And and you can imagine young people are young people who are living there on weekends and stuff. We did the same thing, right? Yes. You more than me, probably. <laughs> I mean, you know. But uh, so I could see the people. The the uh, as soon as you hear college, they get you, they're going to get upset. Right. Right. Because the same. But there is no residential component here. All right. That's an excellent point. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gosh, yeah, you're, I mean, it does, it sounds like a win-win all around, you know, for the city, for the greater church, f especially for the students and their families. Yeah, what an opportunity. Without a doubt. So just to, just to kind of summarize, Bellarmine College will go forward. And I am working as best I can with the, with the wonderful people at Fairfield to see if we could work out an arrangement still that it could be at Jewett Avenue. Right? But if that, in the end, turns out to be impossible, we have to go to a second option. We have to think of something. And right. I trust in the Holy Spirit that we will, that will come forward. I, I leave everything in Our Lady's hands. And I've said it a thousand times, so this is a thousand one. Our Lady has never failed me. Never. And she will not fail now. So I'm going to put everybody on notice, all right, from f around the world. This can't fail because it's in Our Lady's hands. Simple as that. I, lo I love the name, too, by the way, Bellarmine College. Mm -hmm. Is that, is that mm -hmm. selected by Fairfield U? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was a great saint. Yeah. 
Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, okay. Well, uh, is, is there anything else you, you want to say about this excellency before we go to a break about Bellarmine College? I, I'm just, I, I just want to, uh, all our listeners, I'm just going to ask you to pray yeah. that um, the Lord will open every door we need so that we can move quickly towards the actual implementation of this, right? So the planning has to come to an end soon, and I'm hoping and praying that we can resolve the concerns, move forward, because I think this is gonna be one of the greatest advances, initiatives, at least in my time here yeah. as, as bishop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome, okay. So uh, let's take a break then. This is Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network with Bishop Frank Caggiano, and we will be right back. If you're concerned about your end-of-life plans, searching for a Catholic cemetery, or have loved ones who are buried in one of the 14 Catholic cemeteries throughout Fairfield County, now might be a good time to begin planning for yourself or for other family members. Call one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 to leave a message or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. Many people don't realize that they can be buried with their deceased loved ones, even if all of the family's in-ground plots have been taken. The Diocese of Bridgeport Catholic Cemeteries provides in-ground burials, as well as columbarium and mausoleum options. This makes it possible to unite your family together in the same cemetery, and it's an opportunity to build a bridge for your family back to the church. Talking about this issue is not easy, but pre-need planning makes your wishes clear, reduces cost, and helps your family avoid difficult decisions at a time of grief and loss. You can start your planning now by contacting one of our family advisors at 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. We can guide you through the options, regulations, and considerations to help you make the best decisions for your family. The number is 203-742-1450 and select option 5 or visit www.ctcemeteries.org. And welcome back to Let Me Be Frank on the Veritas Catholic Network with Bishop Frank Caggiano. So, uh, Excellency, so we're, we're, you're talking about helping older teens, young 20s with education. And let, as they, young as middle school. Well, yes. Right. So now, yeah, the, there's now that we're talking about formation leading up even to that, that age before right. college, right. middle school and right. high school. Right. This whole thing, it needs to be right. rethought. It's something's not working. Okay. I am the bishop of the obvious. So let's begin. <laughs> what we have now, generally speaking, is not working. Yes. Why do I say that? The statistics are staggering. We've talked about disaffiliation beginning at eight years old. By 13 years of age, eight out of every 10 Catholic baptized young person is actively not participating in the faith. That goes down to only 3% of the baptized at 21 to 25 years old. Wow. Okay, something is not happening. Now, what is not happening? What is not happening is that these young people and people of all ages are not falling in love with Christ in and through the church. Because if you or I had that experience and Jesus is alive in us, 
then we would want to know him, we would want to serve him, we would want to spend time with him, which is what prayer is. So something is missing. Yes. Now, a lot of people on this podcast who have heard me before like when I reminisce about the old days in Brooklyn, okay? And the truth is, the old days that I described in Brooklyn would have been in Brooklyn, in Boston, in Birmingham, in Burbank, in wherever it was, mm -hmm. right? It was a different time, it was a simpler time, and the connections that people long for were more personal, face-to-face -face realities. That's what a neighborhood was. A neighborhood was a nexus, a collection of relationships. So when you had that, and a good number of those individuals were Catholic and practicing their faith, the encounter that a young, young, young person, guy or gal, would have had was almost through, I'm going to say osmosis. It was almost absorbed in ways that you can't quite fully kind of appreciate to say, well, this is how it happened. And I've talked about that too. And I'm not the only one. There's millions of Catholics who had that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the seed of it is the family, right? Now, the families are under tremendous duress in the church. That nexus that I talked about has fallen apart in a lot of places unless it's intentional. And there are formational forces at work. Many of them come through the gateway of the digital continent that are absolutely inimical to the life of faith. So you have a young person in 2022, 23 to come who is in a very different starting point. So, what's the result? I go to religion class because my parents want me to go and I approach it like an academic subject. Hmm. And when the course is finished, oftentimes in confirmation, then I am graduating. So uh, those who have been with me in confirmation on the podcast will know, many times I'll say at the very end, confirmation is not graduation, precisely because this is what they've experienced. Now that is not working. So what are we going to do? We're going to be courageous, we're going to be creative, we're gonna be bold, and we're gonna try many new things, some of which will succeed and some won't. And if they don't, we can at least get the solace that we tried. And learn. There's always something to learn there. Yeah. Fundamentally, if you go back to Emmaus, the story of Emmaus, there is a line in that, in the 22nd chapter, where it says about the disciples on the road, and they were prevented from recognizing him. Now, my dear friends on this podcast, I want you to think deeply and broadly about how that applies to young people and teenagers in the modern world. What is preventing them from recognizing him who is Jesus Christ? So there's essential questions here. I don't want to just educate young people in the faith. I want to form them in the faith. Big difference. Educate the mind. I can educate you on physics, math, history, geography, but I'm going to form you which means you're going to learn about the faith and the truths of faith. I'm going to form your heart. And I'm going to form your will. 
That's what it means to be a disciple, to be the conduit of the presence of the Lord in the world while you're being literally rejuvenated, reborn, reformed each day within the community of the church, which is the body of Christ. Right? We're going to use technology in such a way that it's a tool, not the sum total of what we're doing. And we're going to look at the human person and say, this person has a cognitive need to learn, it has a need to socialize, it has a need to recreate, it has a heart that has to be captured, it has needs time in silence. And what we want to do is we want to create a ministry starting in the seventh grade with elements introduced in the sixth grade that will entice, that will encourage, that will see young people like whet their appetite for a formation that has an element in the classroom, an element in the gym, an element in socialization, an element in prayer at mass, you know, in, in, in sacred prayer, an element in service, right? Going out into the world. That's ultimately what we're talking about. So in the end, where's the courageous piece? You say, well, you know, Bishop Frank, that, that sounds great, but where's the courage? All right, here's the courage. Here it comes. You ready? Strapped in? Here it goes. Number one. I have to decouple confirmation from graduation. So our plan is to gradually lower the age of confirmation so that it is celebrated at the end of the sixth or the beginning of the seventh grade. You may say, that's crazy. Why would you do that? Because you're going to lose them because they're only coming for confirmation. And my response back is, that's exactly the problem. Yeah, yeah. You have reduced it to graduation. But if we to introduce a program where the kids are intrigued, excited, you know, that they get a friends and community and recreation and conversation and classroom study and prayer and service, and then voluntarily the goal would be having received confirmation and the grace of the Holy Spirit that we will keep most, we will not keep all. But we will keep most so that we can form them and really form them at 7, 8, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th grades in ways that are appropriate for those ages and the subtle changes that occur in those ages. Okay? Then you're cooking with fire. And I'm going to, and there are people who have fought me tooth and nail on this, and I will say this to them. Okay. You know, like pastors will say, well, we may lose 50% of our young people. That would be terrible. But right now we're losing 97% of them. So again, I wasn't a math genius. But the point of the matter is, we, and, and if they get excited, the 50%, who is to say in a couple of years they won't bring the other 50% with them? Yeah. Right? Yeah. We got to captivate not held, we have to captivate, not hold them captive. Yes. Right? And the difference is profound. Yes. So, I could keep going. You want me to keep going? Sure. Well, I, I, think, I think that's sure. such an important point. You said we won't keep all of them, but we'll keep most. But the ones that we keep are going to be so on fire and mm -hmm. so well formed. That is really an important point. 
and they'll be able to say to their friend a word of welcome and challenge that you and I cannot say to that, that young person. Right, yes. How many times we growing up, our friends said, let's go there, let's go here, let's go there. No, I don't want to go. No, come, come on, let's go. Right? Yeah. Whether it's a dance or, or an act of service, whatever it is, right? Yes. That's yes. the point. Now, we're creating in a brand new architecture to do this. It's going to look different in different places because our communities are different, mm-hmm. whether ethnically or culturally or economically or demographically different. So, but, the, but, but at the heart of it is truth, beauty, and goodness. That is, you got to learn the faith, your heart has to be captured and given to Jesus, and you have to live a life of virtue that, for the rest of your life that will do good. That's the sum total of what we're trying to do. So I am in the midst now of dealing with some parishes, and some, I need eight pilots. We already have four. The hope would be by the end of June we will have eight, and they will begin to model this as they gradually lower the age of confirmation so that from the things that work and what they did that did not work, they will help educate the rest of the 70-some-odd parishes we have as everybody gradually moves to the model, to the new paradigm. And just to be totally transparent, for those who are listening to this podcast, who are parents of 7th graders, 8th graders, ninth graders, 10th graders, etc., etc., I'm going to tell you, this cannot work without your help. I understand all the demands on your time, but this is a golden opportunity to make sure that we've done everything we could to avoid your son or daughter making that one fatal bad choice that will wreck their life. And that, and the ability to discern, to know the truth, to have the courage of the will, the support of friends, and the grace that comes from prayer to avoid making that colossal mistake if it ever came as a choice in their life, is one of the many, I believe, benefits of changing a model that will accompany young people in their journey of faith rather than just give them the faith in knowledge and let them fend for themselves in the world. Right? Yes. Yep. And a parish to do this needs a leadership team. You need to put a group, right, because a poor DRE, faith formation of the pastor, can't do this alone. It's impossible. Yeah. So we have to put, and we have to train the leadership. So this is like everything else. This is, this is going to be evolution over time. But I am convicted, absolutely convicted, that with the bumps along the way, from the mistakes we're certainly going to make, five years from now, we will be writing a totally different history with our yeah. young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, oh gosh, because you're right. It's what is taking place now is not working now. And so we need something revolutionary and a big change, not just some little edits around the edges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what you just said, Excellency, is convicting to me as a parent because, you know, we parents, especially here in Fairfield County and the New York metro area, we spend so much time and money and energy 
with travel teams and personal trainers and tutors and extra classes and you know this and that how much more important is it for us to invest ourselves in our kids faith in I the mean, end in the end if i could put it this way a part of what a parent the great challenge parents face is when you put before your son or daughter the specter of material success it's easy for the young person to understand that. When you place before them the possibility of leadership in a community, they understand that. When you put before them heaven, that they don't immediately understand. Yeah. Right? Because the farthest thing from their minds is death. Right. Yeah. But in fact, part of our duty and responsibility as both physical parents and spiritual parents, which mm -hmm. I am, our goal is to get our kids to heaven, where they will be beyond their wildest imaginations. And this life is like I took, you know, I say about the antipasto of heaven being mm -hmm. the Eucharist. Well, this life is the antipasto of heaven in so much as a life lived well here. You get to see, you glimpse a bit of what heaven really will be like. Yes. So in a sense, um, to do this, most of our parishes are going to turn to existing programs, like a life team program, which is very successful in many parts of the country. Adopt that and then add to it a leadership team, add to it the nuances it needs, so they're not starting from scratch, because that would just be too daunting a task to try. Sure. Right. And then be able to, with the leadership team, with parents involved, create these venues. Uh, again, I think the more kids that um, get it, the more others will get it. You know, it's, it's, it's funny. I, I got my Father's Day gift early from my nephew. And it was an uni pizza oven. And it's, are you familiar with it, Steve? No. <laughs> okay, so it's a, it's, it's a metal, it stands on legs, and it's an oven. It cooks pizza in 60 seconds. Wow. Right? And it's a wood oven. It's not gas, it's, not, it's wood. And you have to buy these pellets. Anyway, we tried it. We tried it out. And the first time, it took a bit of time. But then, when the flame starts, it is ablaze. And the, the, the temperature has to be between 750 and 900 degrees Fahrenheit. And when you look inside, you could see it's like one huge flame. And you know the funniest thing that, that I was thinking of when I was watching this? Is each of the little pellets, the wood pellets, are almost like people. It's like little people. And it's the grace of the Holy Spirit that lights you on fire. And each of them can be a little flame, but when we're all together, the flame is undeniable. The flame is enormous. Actually, the flame is beautiful to watch. So, in a sense, this is what we're talking about. Part of the, the agenda here is to get enough young people interested, excited, that they will be the sparks that will go to other kids to invite them to spark, to create the bonfire that we have been looking for for 50 years. Yeah, I, I, I love the, the integral formation that you're talking about, Excellency. I know for uh, Rula and for me, and I mean, the Lord knows that we've 
made and continue to make plenty of mistakes. One of the things that we always tried to do is catechize our kids and teach them the faith, also saint stories and you know, but church teachings and apologetics and that stuff. So they have the knowledge. And, and I'd say it was about five years ago, our oldest was a teenager. He's still a teenager. but he, And we were like, you know what? We're missing the aspect of trying to, make sh- trying to foster opportunities for him to have an encounter with Jesus, a personal encounter. Because that's that spark of, you know, you can have all the, all the knowledge you want, but if you don't have that encounter, but right. with your program of the integral development, the intellectual, but also the physical, the social, the spiritual... That really, and you know, the life teen, it gives, it puts them in a place right. where they can more easily have that encounter. Right. The other thing, too, is I, I did not mention this when I met with the pastors and directors of religious education, but it, because it, it wasn't really totally conceptualized in my mind, but since that meeting, it has become very clear in my mind. I have the words for it now. But if you were to ask parents, well, you're a parent who's, um, son is going to go to college, right? Right? So I think a lot of parents dread when their son or daughter goes to college because A, they're out of sight if they're mm-hmm. residential, right? Mm-hmm. And B, much of their fate depends on the company they fall into. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So the friends you keep are the our formative presence in your life more than we ever care to admit yes so then one of the hopes in this is since geography is no longer an impediment for relationships given the digital content one of my hopes would be that these young people in these communities that they will form will also form friendships that will last for a lifetime and friendships that will support them in the faith that brought them together in the first place. Right? Yes. And it doesn't say a college, if you go to whatever college you go to, that that's a guarantee. No, it's not. But you have to ultimately surrender to the grace of the Holy Spirit. And for these young people, to the extent that they will have friends who have like minds, like values, share the faith, and really, please God, love each other, that's gold. Yes. Yep. For college age kids when it's over, right? Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. I'm there are a number of studies that show that seventy percent of young people who go away to college fall away from the faith. Seventy percent. Because of the comp at least one reason, not the only reason, one yes. reason is the company they keep. Yes. Yep. Because young people form young people. And they don't do it in a classroom, do they? Lest I looked. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. That's the point. So it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Uh, I like. I mean, I I I love it because I believe that we do need something truly revolutionary. You know, mm-hmm. something to really shake the system. Um, you know, one of the things that I noticed with religious ed excellency is it feels like, or actually. I haven't been involved in, in religious ed for years and years, but um, but it feels like anyway today nowadays uh, the parents 
aren't fully invested? I think well, I think that's a bit of a generalization. I really think it depends on the parents. Yes, fair enough. They they are vested enough that they see this as a value for their young people, even if they're not practicing the faith. There is a connection to the family that, yeah. again, for me, is an opportunity. So, for example, for example, in this structure that we're discussing, and parents in some way need to get involved, we will give them the opportunity to have the same spectrum of outreach that we're giving their young people to them. Great. Right? Yeah, and they great. may also form friends who will have the same experience. And now suddenly you're forming an alternative community that can not supplant the others that they're part of, but supplement it in such a way that, right? That yes. Th- there's a lifeline. So important. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. There's I'm excited. Be- I'm excited. Pray for this too. So uh, it's all prayers today. Pray for this too. Everyone who's listening for the next couple of years that it will yield. If this, if, if this works, I will be so happy, I will cry. But I will keep crying. So if you want to see me cry, pray for this to be successful. <laughs> what? I will so, gladly cry. <laughs> uh, and re- remind us, when does this begin to get implemented? You have a, 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 a small pocket of, of parishes yes, that are so, the so there are the pilots so they will next year determine what program they want to go into like life teen or whatever mm-hmm. they'll start introducing elements of it in their sixth grade mm-hmm. so that by the time we get to confirmation which could be at the beginning of seventh grade whatever it is that the program will be fully operational and we will seamlessly invite these young people into that program awesome see the key is you have to taste they have to get a taste of it before confirmation so that they can go into it. Then eventually, when the program is fully operational, you could, either, you could even have that program as part of confirmation preparation with an additional add-on of some intensive academic study of the sacrament itself, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. right? Before we let them loose. The whole idea is they gotta whet their appetite before we let them loose. Yeah, and hopefully many will stay. Mm-hmm. It's a big job for the parishes. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, a lot of work. and the bishop too. Yes, of course. <laughs> yes, yeah, okay. That's why we get paid, <laughs> <laughs> right? It's where we get our offerings to serve yeah. the people of God. And again, what's what we're doing now is is not yielding the fruit it should. Yeah. Yeah. Oh gosh, it's exciting. There's so much exciting stuff happening here. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Just the Sacred Heart Guild, too. I mean, there's so much going on that is so positive. Yes. Right. I can't mm-hmm. wait to talk more about that. And, and uh, so, but we won't get into the Sacred Heart Guild right now because we'll talk, we'll spend more time on that yes. later. We'll have but, Michael, Father Michael Clark come, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. But do you, um, is it in your plans to have them, that guild, incorporated into this, or, is, or are they discrete things that you they, know, will they feed They are. Off of it? To- they offer their services to everyone. Mm. So the bottom line is, this, to the element, they introduce young people as part of this formation, to beauty, to music, to pilgrimage, the parishes, our schools, absolutely. Yeah. For example, I think in this ministry, this, this may sound like a crazy thing for me to say, but 
in this ministry, we should teach our young people debate. Mm. Now, you may say, why? Well, because when I learned to debate when I was in high school at Regis, right, there is a way to train your mind to understand your position intellectually and to understand your opponent's position and be able to speak to it in a respectful way. Yes. Not screaming, not yelling, not on social media as tribes. To be able to understand. Because if you want to bring your, 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 your opponent in the debate to understand your position, you have to understand their position and create a bridge. Yes. Now, if these younger people are going out into a secular, hostile world, they're going to have to debate that world. Don't you think we should teach them how to do that? Yeah. Yep. It's ideas meeting ideas. Correct. And our ideas are the truth because our our ideas, I mean, we have the guarantee it's the Lord Jesus. But we have to be able to dialogue with the world. Yes. Yep. Hmm. Yep. It's not so crazy after all, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Feels like you prayed about this a little bit, Excellency. (laughs) All right. So with, on that note, let's, let's take our, our final break for the show. This is Let Me Be Frank with uh, Bishop Frank Caggiano on the Veritas Catholic Network, and we will be right back with a listener question. Welcome back to Let Me Be Frank with Bishop Frank Caggiano. Excellency, the time of the show where we get a listener question. So here's the email that came in. It says, Hi, Bishop Frank. If Adam and Eve were the first people and Cain and Abel are their sons, who is Cain's wife? Where does she come from? Does this mean that there are other people besides Adam and Eve and their sons? Mm-hmm. Well, to answer the question, I've always myself wondered. All right, And I would have to say, honestly, I don't know the definitive answer to that question. But if I were to... Um, surmise the fact that God created Adam and Eve does not preclude that he could have created others after them precisely for the generation the human race needed. But other than that, which is, you know, a a theological speculation on my part, I honestly do not know the answer to that question in any definitive way. Yeah. There's no church teaching on it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. But a great question, though. It is, yes. Mm-hmm. And so if you have a question for Bishop Frank, you can send it in to us on social media or you can email questions at veritascatholic.com. Bishop Frank Caggiano is on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and so is Veritas Catholic Network. And, of course, we would like to thank Foundations in Faith. A grant from the St. Therese Fund for Evangelization makes it possible for us to bring Let Me Be Frank to you. And Foundations in Faith is committed to supporting and transforming pastoral ministries in the Diocese of Bridgeport. And you can learn more about their outstanding work online at foundationsinfaith.org. Great one today, Excellency. Yeah, and next week we have a special guest, no? Yes. Should we announce it or should we? No, we'll, you, you're the boss. You do well, you know what? Me. We'll tease it. Mm-hmm. It's someone that potentially is very famous that you potentially hear from every day. Oh, well said, well said. Well, I hope people are curious. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, Excellency, before we go, would you please give us your blessing? Sure. sure. 
In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you, shine his face upon you, and grant you the mercy of his love and peace. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen. Okay, my friend, I'm off to confirmation. See you. Enjoy, Excellency. <laughs> Next week.